around the room and say good morning and welcome somebody out to home church. church. I'm going to ask for everybody to start making their way back to their seats as we jump in to our announcements this morning. Well, for starter guys, I don't know if any of you stopped by our cafe this morning, but uh, let me tell you, man, you guys, if you have not stopped, I see Lynch is holding her cup up. She's got one too. But uh, these are the brand new ice caramel macchiato. Hot luck that is taking place May 22nd after the second service in the gym. You are not going to want to miss out. The special guest speaker is going to be Carlos Jr. So please make sure you guys make it out for that. Uh, there's going to be a lot of good food. Make sure that you guys bring your favorite dish to share. And uh, man, what an amazing time to support our youth and uh, listen to what uh, Carlos Jr. has to share. Uh, the second event that we have going on is uh, Jane Morrill is going to be hosting a special luncheon for widows on May 28th at 12 p.m. And that is going to be taking place at Jane's house. 
So if you are interested or you have any questions, please reach out to Jane directly. Kids, we've got VBS coming up in just a few weeks. Amen. What a fun time. This is going to be taking place June 8th, 9th, and 10th, each night from 6 p.m. till 8 p.m. And church, we are in need of volunteers. So if God so puts it on your heart to come out and support our church, support our kids, and just pour into them and let them know how much they are loved, we would encourage you to sign up uh, for this event again. If you have any questions, we would encourage you to reach out to our children's director, Miss Jane Morrill. Uh, we have a CCW class that is coming up on May 21st. So if you are interested in getting your permit or renewing your current permit, we would encourage you to reach out to Mr. Ron Sherwood and he will get you some additional information and details. And then last but not least, home away from home. <laughs> Praise God. I, uh, I see some familiar faces who were there last year. Uh, my family was blessed enough to be there. I know Miss Anita and her family were there. Ruben and Tori were there. What an amazing time up at Lake Tahoe. Beautiful scenery, just being outdoors, praising, worshiping God, and uh, just building some amazing connections within our church family. You are not going to want to miss out. This is taking place July 8th, 9th, and 10th. So make sure that you mark that down on your calendar, save the dates. We are going to have the prices and the signups available next week. Something very important that I want to make sure you guys all understand. When we, when we hosted this event last year, the rooms go fast. So don't second guess yourselves. Make sure next week that you are signing up and getting your name in. You are not going to want to miss it. All right, church, uh, that is everything that we have as far as the announcements go this morning. Uh, now we are going to welcome our pastor to the stage. Amen. Well, good morning, church. It's so good to see you all this morning, um, your lovely faces. Um, what a beautiful day the Lord has made. We are rejoicing and we are glad in it. Amen. Amen. Um, this morning, I might look a little tired, uh, just a little bit. We... Uh, for those who don't know, Friday, uh, we took off early, early in the morning with four amazing children uh, to San Diego to go quiz. Uh, there was a Bible quiz down there, and uh, we got there, and when we got there, we went to the ocean, we swam, we ate, we played, um, we stayed up late, <laughs> a little too late. My brother Mike, there was a there was a pizza spot down in, in, in San Diego. It looked really good. You can, and uh, we dropped the kids off. And brother Mike said, "I think we need to go get some pizza." I said, "I think you're right." <laughs> well, we get we down there. We're ordering pizza, and all of a sudden, my wife texts me. She says, "Mama Jane says the boys need to go to bed." <laughs> and so we're sitting there, and the the uh, the couple that's serving us, is, we said, hey, we know we said for here, but we're going to take this to go. And so we went, and uh, the boys, everybody got their sleep. We woke up early. Um, there was about, how I'd say, about 70 other kids there quizzing. Uh, what an amazing time that was. Our kids didn't get first, second, third, but I'm so proud of them because what they did get, um, I have right here. Uh, got 
the numbers here. <clears throat> so four of our quizzers competed in the Southwest Regional Quizzing Competition at Point Loma Nazarene University in San Diego. Our team score is 900. In the alternate division, Mackenzie Metzger placed second with a score of 185. She also received a medal for a perfect round. So with that being said, I'm going to go and call up the other ones. If you want to stand right next to uh, Mackenzie, I'm going to call Uriah McDevitt. Yeah. Mateo Garcia and Bella Painter. Let's give them a hand, guys. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Mike. Oh, thank you, Pastor. Quizzers, I just want to say, your church is so proud of each and every single one of you for the hard work, for the dedication that you guys put in, and for having that fire in your hearts to learn about God's Word. So we are so proud of all of you guys. Congratulations. Church, at this time, we are going to prepare to go into our time of giving and worship. So just a reminder, if you are here in person with us and you brought your tithes, we do have our offering box on the left-hand side as you exit the sanctuary. And then, of course, we would like to encourage you guys to continue giving online uh, at homechurchnv.org. Uh, or you can also mail a check to the church offices. And church, if you go ahead and bow your heads with me, we'll go ahead and open in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for such a beautiful day, God. Lord, we thank you for all of the amazing things that you're doing throughout this church, God. We thank you for our youth, our teens, uh, who are just on fire for you right now, God. And that, that pours out from the top down, from the leadership in this church, God. And we thank you for the shepherds and the teachers and the volunteers that we have here, God. Lord, this morning, as we are collecting our tithes and offerings, God, God, I just pray that you would bless these tithes and offerings and multiply them in ways that we would never be able to imagine. God, I pray that these tithes and offerings will further the work of your kingdom, God, that it'll feed a hungry family, give somebody shelter, help to put clothes on somebody's back, God, and more importantly, touch somebody's life and let them know your love and that you are there for them. Father God, we just want to pray all of these things this morning in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand, church, this morning as we worship Jesus. We're going to sing out that song. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. And we're going to sing this chorus out in Spanish, and then we're going to go to our English chorus. Sing with us this morning. But before we do that, I knew I was forgetting something. Our dear sister, uh, Linda Sutherland, would like to say a, a quick something. Can we give her a hand? Mm -hmm. 
I believe that when the Holy Spirit speaks to you to speak out, that you do it. It's on. It's on. What I said was, I believe when the Holy Spirit leads you to say something, you do it. And there's two praises that I want to give for today. The first one is I want to thank and praise the Lord for my husband, for the ups and downs that we've gone through, and how he keeps us together with our love. Also, for each and every one of you in this church, there is a love in my heart for each and every one of you. But the most important thing is, even with our ups and downs and our disappointments, I praise the Lord that I was washed in the blood of the Lamb. Thank you. I pull in, pull in, see me while pulling in Jesus, quien murió. I pull in, pull in, see me while pulling in la sangre que el vidrio. Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? 
Cause shame's done all it's dealing And you're desperate for some healing Let me tell you about my Jesus He makes a way where there ain't no way Rises up from an empty grave Ain't no sin that he can't save Let me tell you about my Jesus His love is strong and his grace is Broken dreams and wasted years Until the past to disappear Oh, let me tell you about my Jesus And all the wrong turns that you were Going on to if you could Who could work it out for your good Let me tell you about my Jesus He makes a way where there ain't no way Rises up from an empty grave Ain't no sin that he can't save Let me tell you about
your mercy never fails me all my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head oh I will sing of the goodness of God and all my that there is power in the blood. That Linda got to come up here and say, 
God has moved in my life. And Father, I pray today that you would move in each and every person's life, Father. That, Father, you would touch them individually. That you would come alongside them, Father. And that you would move in a powerful way. In the very strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you. Uh, singers and musicians, you may be seated as well. Thank you so very much. Can we give our musicians and singers a hand? Amen. Thank you for your faithfulness. Amen. Well, this morning, church, we have a uh, special treat for you. Um, again, if uh, you are visiting with us, I want to say welcome. And if you're watching online, I want to say welcome to Home Church of the Nazarene. Amen, church. Amen. We're glad to have you and uh, be welcome to the family. So um, this morning, uh, we have something special for you. Uh, we have the dynamic duo, Amanda and Matt, a very lovely couple of ours here in our church, whom we all dearly love. And here at Home Church, we believe in discipleship, dedication, duplication. And not only do I see it happening in their lives, but I see it happening in the lives who follow them. So please, without further ado, can you help me give Matt and Amanda a hand as they take the stage this morning? Amen. Good morning, church. We're very excited uh, to speak to you today, and I want to say thank you to Pastor Carlos for letting us talk with you, and uh, we'll get started here. So the title of our sermon today is Biblical Faith. I'm going to start with a quote by Bill Maher. Faith makes a virtue out of ignorance. And so just to kind of have that settle in, I'm going to repeat it. Faith makes a virtue out of ignorance. So when I heard this quote, it struck me pretty hard. Um, initial reactions may be, that's completely false. Um, or maybe it's a little bit true. Maybe there's people that you know who use faith to cover up ignorance. It is definitely in a large part an offensive type of phrase. I have lived in the church my entire life, meaning I have grown up visiting different churches, I grew up in a church, and I have never heard a pastor say that ignorance is something positive, or ignorance is a virtue, or ignorance is what we're searching for in our Christian walk. I have, however, heard the phrases, I don't know, I, I just have faith. Or, I took a leap of faith. So while these phrases aren't necessarily the same thing as saying ignorance, they're in the same family. The same idea that we're all taking this leap into the void without knowing where we're going to land. I've noticed also in culture Movies, media, TV shows, the character who is a person of faith, whether it be a pastor or a longtime church member, is someone depicted as willfully ignorant. They clutch on to their beliefs despite any evidence to the contrary. So in one way, I can 100% understand this perspective. 
We have a God that we don't see. We have a Holy Spirit who guides us that we have never audibly heard, although I've heard some stories <laughs> from people. Most of us haven't. I personally have not heard an audible voice guiding me along this path. And I would venture to say that none of us have ever seen someone come back from the dead in our lifetime. So what do we do with this? Is faith something we have, like just something that we own? Like you have a purse or you have a pair of shoes, do we just have faith? Do we have it despite any reason, despite needing evidence? So this is the backdrop of what we're going to be talking about. We're going to, of course, look at the Bible for a definition of faith. We're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. So if you could turn there with me. I'm going to read two versions. The English Standard Version I'm going to read first. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then I'm going to turn in the Christian Standard Bible. Same uh, chapter, same verse. We're looking at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 for our biblical definition of faith. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. So when you tell someone, I'm a person of faith, do the words assurance, conviction, reality, and proof come to mind? Because that's our biblical definition. If we don't use the Bible to define what faith is supposed to mean, you will take on the culture's definition of faith. The culture's definition of faith, especially I'm speaking to Americans right now, is a wish upon a star mentality. It's a bit mystical. The faith is true because you believe it is. We need to think biblically about this. We're going to discuss two different views here. We're going to start with what biblical faith is and what biblical faith is not. So we're going to start with faith is not blind. So faith is not blind. Belief without any evidence is not a biblical faith. We're not going to turn there, but in 1 Peter 3.15, it says to always be ready to defend your faith and give a reason for your hope in Christ. This makes a lot of sense when we think about how Jesus wants us to share our faith with the world. If we can't give a reason for faith, we actually cannot effectively witness. If I was someone who came up to you, could be a coworker or a family member, and asked you, why should I follow your God over any other belief system in this world? There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them that sound really good, too. And if your answer is, I don't know, 
I've always believed this way, or my family believes this way, or my upbringing says to believe this way. If I was the typical American person in that scenario, I would say, sounds great for you. You keep doing that. Because you actually didn't give me a reason to follow Christ over any other view. So the first thing faith is not is blind. The second thing faith is not is an emotional state or mental activity. So faith is not an intense emotional feeling that overpowers us. It's not some extreme form of sincerity. So as an example of this, if I were to walk down Pyramid Lake Highway, and if you've never been that way, it leads to Pyramid Lake, but I deeply in my heart believed that I would end up in Carson City, would that change where I would end up? My belief changes nothing. We need to go back to Hebrews, words like evidence and reality. If our faith in Christ is based in truth, it is based in reality. Faith is also not a mental conviction. We don't wake up every morning and tell ourselves three times, I will have faith. I will have faith. It's not the power of positive thinking. I like positive people, <laughs> so I'm not downing this idea of waking up with a positive mindset. I think that's a wonderful thing. But if you want a philosophy of positive thinking, of this idea that the way that you think is going to somehow create energy that goes out and changes your world. There's an entire shelf in Barnes and Noble for you, full of self-help books. We're not here for a philosophy, for a better philosophy of living. We're here because there is a living God. So, faith is. Faith starts with reason. Now, I really want to be careful here. Faith doesn't necessarily stay just in reasoning it out, and we'll get to that, but faith starts in reason. And number two, faith compels action. So, we're going to ask you some questions today. We're going to ask you to think a little deeper, and we're going to start with faith starts with reason. Hey, everybody. So faith is starting with reason. And we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 here. In 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul is writing to the church of? Corinth. Corinth. Yeah, Corinthians. <laughs> Excellent job. Chapter 15 is dedicated to the sense of Jesus' resurrection and what the implications are. In this time, he is fighting with people who believe that there is no resurrection of the dead, that you will have a spiritual uh, continuance only. And so he is using some logic to attack this. And we're going to be looking at a few uh, different sections of verses. So chapter 15, we're in verses 3 through 6. 
Paul writes, For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. We're going to fast forward through uh, chapter 15 for a second to verses 14 through 17. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. So obviously Paul is using this to talk about the evidence that Jesus has been risen, and therefore you can also expect a bodily resurrection. But what he does here is really incredible. He makes the entire Christian faith able to be proven wrong. He says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. If this didn't happen, then nothing you believe is worth anything. In the movie The Case for Christ, which is a story of Lee Strobel looking to disprove Christianity and uh, pulling the old switcheroo, which is basically my story as well, he asks a co-worker who's a Christian, how can I disprove this? And he says, disprove the resurrection. If you can disprove the resurrection, everything else falls. And this is what makes our faith so incredible because our faith is not just culture and upbringing it is based on a historical event performed by a historical person jesus christ lived and he lived a very well documented life he was executed by rome and three days later he rose from the grave there is no reason that the Christian church should have succeeded in Rome at this time. The entirety of Rome was made up of polytheists, and then there's this little group of Jewish people who believe in one God. They were strange. But none of them had any uh, prophet to come through. Prophet with an F. They had nothing to gain from leaving the faith of their ancestors and their culture to join this new religion that was illegal at the time. So why would Christianity have succeeded in the way that it did? It's written in verse 6. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Paul is basically daring you to go research this. He's saying, it's not just me telling you that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He appeared to 500 people. Most of them are still down in Jerusalem. You can go, you can talk to these people and see what they saw. 
And this is what makes our faith so unique. In so many other faiths, there is a sense of that's sacred, don't investigate it. There is power at the top of Mount Olympus, don't walk up there. <laughs> don't, don't try to find the Greek gods, uh, they won't like it. Don't open this, don't look at that. Our religion is so different. Paul says, go, investigate it. Find the reasons that we have faith in what will happen to us in the afterlife. The key here, though, is that faith does not remain entirely intellectual. I broke my leg about three years ago. Before I broke my leg, intellectually, I knew that a broken bone would hurt. The minute I broke my leg, I experientially knew how much breaking a bone would hurt. You move from the power of just knowledge to experience. And that comes with us through the salvation of Christ and the introduction of the Holy Spirit. When you truly know God and you can interact with him and you can feel him changing your life, you will move from the intellectual faith that we have to start with into an experiential faith that tells you for sure that it's true. And that kind of faith, when you experience the Holy Spirit changing who you are, will lead you away from just thinking about it into a result of different actions and attitudes. So faith compels action is the next section we're getting into here. I'm going to have us turn to James chapter 2, verse 17. So, James chapter 2, verse 17. In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. So to illustrate this further, I had this idea of a life coach. If one of you came to me and said, I found this amazing life coach, they're wonderful. All of their clients, 100%, have more money, they're physically healthier, they feel happier. She just told me, follow these five steps and I can get you there. And so if I ask you, okay, what step are you on? Two, three out of five, where are you at in this process? And you said, oh, I'm not following the five steps. It doesn't fit into my life very well. It's inconvenient. I don't believe in some of those steps. They just don't seem to work very well for me in my life. I would conclude that you have zero faith in that life coach, that you don't actually believe what they say, even if there's evidence that it works. So if you do not act, we cannot see your faith. How much greater is God? The premise of our religion is that we serve a God who is eternal, who is there before time, who will be there after time, who knows you intimately, who knows every possible outcome in this world, who loves you, who is working out his will in the world, who wants to better you. If we're not following what he says, what does that say about our faith in that person, in that being, in that God? Faith is not an internal, stagnant 
subjective feeling that you have inside. We are called to work out our belief. So good works are never, and there's many pages and many chapters um, dedicated to this, good works is not the source of our salvation. There's only one person who is the source of our salvation, that's Christ. But working out your belief, doing good works, following what the Bible says, is the only natural result of having faith. There is no other result. I'm going to continue in this thought. We're going to read a little further in James chapter 2. We're going to read verses 18 to 22. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you faith by my works. You believe that God is one. Good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works in offering Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was, and was active together with his works, and by works, faith was made complete. So we see this relationship. This is a relationship that cannot be broken. Faith is visible. There's two things that stand out to me in this, three I should say, in this uh, scripture. This idea that even demons believe, that there's an enormous difference between believing in and having faith. It's one of the most difficult sections of the Bible saying that the demons believe in God. It seems to fly in the face of what we usually think of as belief. The other example that they use is Abraham, who arguably had the most difficult challenge of faith that we can possibly think of in being asked to give his son sacrificially. James is a wonderful book because it stands toe-to-toe with you. James dares you to put your money where your mouth is. Who God is and what his word is will change you if you have faith. For instance, if this Bible is God-breathed, useful for teaching, correction, training in righteousness, if it's actually the word of God given to us, do you read it? James forces us to look in the mirror and see what is true and act on it. Now, this is not to discourage anyone. (laughs) I'm not saying, oh, I'm two days behind in my Bible reading plan. I'm the worst. I have no faith. That's not what my point is. My point is that this is a process through the Holy Spirit to help you, but that if you are saying, I'm a Christian, I believe in God, Jesus rose for me. All I'm saying is put your money where your mouth is. I recently saw a uh, video about, some of you may have seen it because it was recent, of Wiley College in Marshall, Texas. It was the commencement ceremony and the students found out that day that all of their student debt had been paid off by an anonymous donor. It was all gone. I think it was about $300,000 that this anonymous donor paid, so they had no debt. So the reaction of these students, I'd encourage you to look at the video, we can probably guess. 
They screamed, they waved their hands in the air, they stomped their feet, they cried, they were just overjoyed that that burden was taken off. I think a lot of times we act like we don't believe our sins are paid. Do we have joy in erased debt? Do we wake up and start our day not with our positive affirmation, but start our day with this idea that Christ has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. My encouragement to you is that if you have faith, not only will you be compelled to do good works like reading the Bible, doing what it says, evaluating who you are as a person and what you do in your life and comparing it to this and this alone, but I truly believe that if you have faith, you can't help but keep joy in front of you every single day. We are free, truly free. We are reconciled to God, to the God of the universe who created us. And we need to live like it through faith. So what are we saying here? Our faith as Christians is unique because it starts with reason. It doesn't start with just being told the same story over and over again as kids. It is something that you can investigate. There is evidence for the resurrection of Christ. There is evidence in the changed lives of believers. There is evidence that can lead you to the truth. And as Jesus said, he is the truth. And the truth will set you free. And that freedom will bring you into an experience. An experience that will hold on to you as you realize, regardless of anything else, that it's true. That experience will compel you to action. It will soften your heart and force you into the good deeds that you were created for. Amanda and I have faith that this book tells us who God is, what God has done for us, and what he expects of us. That this book is complete and infallible in all things related to salvation. Jesus Christ was a real historical figure. Investigate it. Let that change your life. At this time, we're going to open up the altars. We're going to do a call for salvation and sanctification. So if I could have Miss Jeannie, Pastor Pepe, and uh, our Pastor Carlos, come on down. We're going to open this up. If you are struggling with faith, if you don't know who Jesus is, or if you don't know that you're secure in your salvation. Come down and let us pray with you and for you. We're also going to be dealing with a sanctification call. If you have a sin in your life that you cannot shake, that you feel is drawing you farther from God, come down and let us pray for you. Because the Holy Spirit can change your heart and your intentions. If you are not coming to the altar, I'd ask that you'd stay in your pews for a few more minutes and join us in prayer 
as we pray for our brothers and sisters who are coming down and pray for every soul in this earth that is lost.
Father God, we thank you for every mercy that we have been shown. Everything that we have that we don't deserve. We thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ who lived the life that we couldn't and died the sacrificial life that we deserved. We ask for continued forgiveness and healing through this church that you would change our spirits, show us more of your truth, and send us out to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, church. We're gonna bring up Pastor Carlos to close us out. Let's give him a hand, amen. Hallelujah. Let's all stand, church. Before we be, before we dismissed, um, I'd like to lay hands on a, a very special couple this morning, um, who is going to be um, leaving us just for the summer, and they're going to be coming back, I believe, in September. And so, if I could, please uh, ask uh, Janet and Jim Lathrop, come, please, uh, come down, and we want to say a blessing over you guys. I'd like some of our board members to come and and surround yourself with uh, this wonderful couple. Amen. I remember last year they went, and uh, not only we, but they were battling with a bunch of smoke, which is everywhere. Do you remember that? And so uh, we want to pray for good travels, safety, health, and um, that they're refreshed and blessed. And most importantly, that they know they're going to be missed because we love them so much. Amen. Amen. Church, stretch out your hands towards this family right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for Brother Jim, Sister Janet. I plead the blood of Jesus over this wonderful couple, Lord, as they go to visit family, um, I pray that you would uh, bless their stay, uh, protect their travel, Lord. I pray that this would be a time where they also become closer to one another. Um, I pray, God, that they would um, cherish these moments, remind them, God, that they are going to be missed. I pray, Lord God, that they would remain faithful online to Home Church YouTube, uh, Lord, and we just thank you, God, for their faithfulness the love that they have for your house. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, the blood of Jesus over this precious, precious couple, this precious family, bless uh, them and their offspring, their children, grandchildren. Protect them and bring them back safely in a few months from now, which seems so far away, but yet it's so close. And we just thank you for what you're going to do in this, in this couple's life this summer in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Give him a clap offering. Amen. Be blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's all bow our heads church. Uh, uh, get, uh, one more time. Can we give Matt and Amanda a hand? Amen. What a powerful word. Thank you for that. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Uh, Mr. Sherwood, please bless us as we, as we dismiss. Father, we thank you for your presence here this morning.
We thank you for the words that Matt and Amanda brought this morning. Uh, just uh, very impactful, really, um, and very meaningful. We ask that you would bless them as, as they continue in, in the ministry that you brought them into. ask that you'd be with the rest of us as we go out into this week and uh, continue to uh, have your presence here with us this morning. All these things we pray in Jesus' name.